The next time we meet together, it is going to be 2022. That sounds really futuristic, doesn't it? 2022. Do you have some New Year's resolutions? You should. No, I'm just kidding. You're great. Don't ever change. Wouldn't it be more appropriate for Christians to have New Year's prayers? Should have New Year's prayers instead of resolutions. Like resolutions is like, I'm going to. And prayers is like, God, would you. I mean, of course, there's, there's some. Uh, there's the presence of some people making resolutions in Scripture, but I think we would all agree that a much greater emphasis in Scripture is praying the things that we desire, praying our hearts, praying our needs and, and wants to the Lord. What would your prayer be as you look at 2022? What's the prayer that you would have for yourself as we approach this new year? You know, I think when I was a kid, if, if anybody would suggest that, like, what should, what's a big prayer that we should pray for the year? I would pray for world peace. You guys remember praying? I, I, do they still, like, want us to pray for that? Is that a thing? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, we were always supposed to be praying for... So your resolution is to lose 10 pounds, and, and the prayer is world peace, okay? 10 pounds is not enough. We can, you know, I can tell you that right now. So that's, a, that's not enough of a resolution, and world peace is too great of an aspiration, so we need something that is a much more, uh, much more personally transformative and also something that we can put in the Lord's hands that will be transforming our worlds as well. And that's really what Psalm 139 is going to get us to this morning. So here in Psalm 139, we have been in this for the entirety of Advent. This is our last Sunday in Psalm 139. It's a three-part meditation on what it means to be in a relationship with God. What does it mean to be in a relationship with God? It means to be in a relationship characterized by love. So the first part, verses 1 to 6, are all about this, about how God is so connected to us, how he knows our thoughts, he knows what we're going to say before we say it, he knows what our days are going to look like, he walks with us, behind us, and ahead of us all at the same time. Relationship with God is a relationship characterized by an extraordinary, intimate, personal attention and love. It's also a relationship of light. We see this in the second section of this, that no matter where we go, no matter whether we we run from God or we are taken from God, whether we feel ourselves to be distant from Him physically or spiritually, sometimes we feel really close to God, but sometimes we feel really far away. It doesn't matter. He's there with us anyway, with His presence, changing those experiences into something more like day, something more like light. So it's a relationship of love, it's a relationship of light, and God has that kind of love, that kind of covenant love and attention and devotion to us because the third section says that He made us. He formed us physically. He formed our inward parts. He knit us together in our mother's womb. And He formed our lives, the days that He designed and assigned to us. And so the psalmist periodically breaks out into praising God for this. Verse 6, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain it. Verse 14, I am fearfully, and I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made and wonderful are your works, O God. Verse 17, how precious are your thoughts to me. How vast is the sum of them. And though that's a beautiful 18 verse chunk, it's an 18 verse chunk out of this psalm. 
At the end of the day, the, the point of this psalm is not about God's love. This is not ultimately a psalm about God's love because as we heard Tony read a moment ago, when we get to verse 19, we speak up. We speak up out of our heart. And what do we say? We say murder, kill, blame, hate, anger. Right? We just, all oh, this, it's bad other people and I just want them dead. And We speak up and we, we are exposed along with the psalmist in these verses. The grievous way that so many of us just live comfortably with. The world's way that leads to grief is not just out there. The problem isn't just them and bad people and bad things out there, but it's us. It's here in me. So here's what this means. It means that verses 1 to 18 is not enough by itself to move us to, towards God in substantial ways. I love verses 1 to 18, but that's not the entirety of the psalm. It is not enough by itself to move us toward God in real ways. We also need to hear ourselves say through the psalmist, verses 19 to 22, so that we need to hear all of this so that we get to verses 23 and 24. And this is the point of this psalm. Verses 23 and 24 are the point of Psalm 139. This is what the psalm is directing us to. These requests, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Six requests. Search me, know my heart. Try me, know my thoughts. See if there be, that is, uh, examine me and present to me the grievous way that you find, and then lead me out of it. Lead me towards you in the everlasting way. These requests, at the end of the psalm, bring us to the point where we ask God to get involved in our lives. Search me, try me. And to lead us into his life. Lead me in the everlasting way. So to summarize Psalm 139, we hear of the overwhelming love of God. We also recognize the grievous way that's in us. And with those two things, we now have the two things that we need to be ready to change. We have something to believe in, the love of God, and something we need to repent of, the grievous way that's in us. And now, at the end of Psalm 139, we are ready to be discipled, right? That's how he ends. He says, and now, lead me. Make me I want to follow you. I want to be discipled by you in the everlasting way. That's the point of this psalm, is to get us ready to be discipled. Are we ready for discipleship? Are you ready for the next stage in your discipleship? Are you ready to revisit the nature of God's involvement in your life and your involvement in His as we approach 2022. Anyone here think uh, they don't need to get any healthier than they are? Right? Is everybody here just as perfectly healthy as you want to be as you look at the new year, right? Christmas, Thanksgiving to Christmas didn't do anything to your uh, cardiovascular system. Right? We all know that we want to get a little bit healthier, right? We all know the advantages of getting healthy. We all know the problems that are going to come with age if we don't get healthier. We've all seen the 60-minute documentaries on these things, right? We all know. And yet, when's the last time you ate broccoli on purpose? 
Right? There might have been some in the sauce at the Chinese restaurant that might be, may have been ingested. But when did you eat it on purpose? When's the last time you went on a hike? Right? So what is this? We experience this thing where we know, but we don't really know. We know, what, we know we need to get healthy. We, we know the advantages. We know the disadvantages. We know, but we don't really know enough or clearly enough to move us to get healthy. You know, periodically, the American church or some church does something really dumb and everybody gets all up in arms and frustrated. Like, there's a, the church isn't making disciples. We need, we need to get back to discipleship, which is good. That's true. That's right. But you know what? There's not really that great of an interest in being discipled and in discipleship. And why is that? Because we know that God loves us, verses 1 to 18. And we know that we need Him, verses 19 to 22. But we don't really know either thing that well. We don't really know either thing that well. My friend Ron Christensen at East Troy Bible Church, he said one time, and, and I just love he said, nobody learns anything unless they have to. Nobody learns anything unless they have to. Nobody really gets it unless they're presented with a situation where they really have to change. And that's the point of Psalm 139, is to really help us see. Do we get it, do we get it yet? Do we recognize our need for change and for growth? Do we... Do we Hear of this God in verses 1 to 18 and long to live with him. Long to live with him with our eyes open to all that he's doing in our lives. Do we long to live with him? Do we hear ourselves through the psalmist in verses 19 to 22 and are we horrified by what we hear and see in our lives? Are we ready to be discipled? Are we ready to change? You know, for many of us, we... We know the love of God, described in verses 1 to 18. We know this, but we don't see that urgent need for Him in our lives. Or we don't want to let go of anything else in order to follow Him more intently. So this is still more valuable than getting to know Him and following Him. So we may know the love of God, but what's missing is we need to be exposed. Verses 19 to 22, we need to be exposed to ourselves. We're not going to have a big like uh, jamboree where everybody brings out their dirty secrets and uh, we don't want to know, you know, right? But we, you need to be exposed to yourself. For the last uh, 70 years, the um, management consultancy world, they, they, they'll come in and, and coach a C-level uh, business owners and, and management people. And, and the first thing they'll do is this person's so busy and, and they, they run a time audit. They say, well, just let's record your time in 15-minute increments for the course of a week. And then we'll talk about where, you know, where there's room for improvement. And inevitably, people are just appalled at where they're spending their times. Right? So, so surfing social media, uh, on the phone with people that, extending conversations they don't need to extend, binge-watching Netflix, all of these sorts of things. They go, oh my goodness, I can't believe I spent four hours on Netflix this week. I can't believe I spent five hours on social media. They just need to be exposed to themselves, and then they're ready to, sh- to change. This is what the psalmist is trying to do for us, what we need to have happen. What needs to be exposed in your life? 
I think here's an easy, easy way to find out the answer to that. What would you not want exposed? <laughs> that. <laughs> What's that one thing that you're like, oh, not that. That, that's the thing then. Good. We found it. That's the thing that you need to take a good hard look at. Oh, that you would slay the wicked. That part of you. You need to see that. We need both things. We need both things. We need to know the love of God. We need to, we need to know the horrific things within us. Right? If you just have verses 19 to 22, if you just are presented with your uh, anger and wicked hearts, you would hear that and you would just despair. Oh, I'm just a bad person. I'm just terrible. There's no hope for me. And you, if you just hear verses 1 to 18, you just hear about the love of God, you think, oh, that's really nice. But it doesn't really motivate me to change anything. I'm glad God's that way, but it doesn't really help me. We need to have both of these things together. Together, verses 1 to 22, we see our great need and we see the hope that we have. We have this need, but we also have this hope. Good. We also see God's great love and we see the need we have for him in our lives. And so good. Now we're ready to change. And so... Psalm 139 is an invitation to discipleship. You met this God. Are you ready to follow this God? This God versus 1 to 18 God? All right. Are you, do you need him in your life? Do you need his leading? Absolutely. Good. Now we're where, we're need to, where we need to be. In fact, I would suggest that verses 23 and 24 should be every one of our New Year's prayers. Search me and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And expose to me the grievous way in me that you discover. And lead me out of it in the everlasting way. That's a good, that's a good New Year's prayer, right? Let's look at this a little bit more carefully. Verse 23, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. So this isn't about tweaking or hacking a few things in our lives, right? It's about our heart and our thoughts. I mean, I'm not saying that I don't do a lot of dumb things and that there's a lot of good things that I ought to do that I wish I did and I don't do those things, but that's not what this psalm is addressing. What you and I need is not just tips and tricks. We need to go upstream to the source of where that stuff is coming from. We need to go to our heart and to our thoughts. What Jesus says in Matthew 15, he says all this stuff that's defiling your life, it all comes out of your heart. The psalmist says, in, or the writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 4, right, out of the heart comes all the different stuff in your life that you're kind of frustrated by. It's all coming from your heart. We need to look at the the root causes of our griefs, the heart and the thoughts. Which is really, which is sad, right? Because that's actually the stuff that's supposed to be loving the Lord. Remember this? Love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. This is what's supposed to be loving the Lord and loving others. And yet that's not mostly what our heart and mind does. That's not mostly what's in there. So God wants to deal with it. He wants to deal with it for our sake. He wants to deal with it for the sake of the other people in our lives. You know, so much, so often we, and this is what the psalmist is trying to confront us with, 
we are conformed to this world. Right? We, are just, we are conformed to it rather than being transformed. Our heart is valuing the same things that the world values. Our mind is, is fixated on and, and hoping in the same thing that the world is fixated and hoping on. And the work of God in our lives is to transform us. To transform us. And that's a, that's a challenging prospect. To turn ourselves over to this God. And so the question, are we ready, is, is, a, is not an e- a light and easy question. This is why he, he saves it for the end of the psalm. He suckers you in with all this nice stuff about God. And then, whoa, whoa, whoa. are you ready to change? Verse 24, see if there be a grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. This shows us that there's actually two ways of being discipled, two, two ways of discipleship, a way to grief. And where's that way at? What does it say? That way is in me. And then there's a way to life. And where's that? That's with God. How did the bad way get in me? The bad way, the grievous way got in me because I led I got this. And so I turned to what looked like, other than God, the best available sources for wisdom and guidance and intelligent life direction. And I opened my heart and mind to the world. And the world, with all of its wisdom, poured into me and is leading me to the place of grief. How am I going to get out of this? How do I get on the good way, the way of life? I'm going to have to let God lead. I'm going to have to ask the Lord to lead me, which means I'm going to have to open my heart and my mind to Him as well. Both things are are, are ways of discipleship, though. We're being discipled by the world. We're being invited to be disciples of the world every day, every billboard, every commercial, every program, every newspaper ad. Newspaper ads? What is that? Everything that we encounter. And also Psalm 139 is inviting us to be discipled as well. And everywhere we turn in Scripture is inviting us to be discipled. So the question, are we ready to be discipled, is really the question of, are we ready to let Him lead? Do we want the God of verses 1 to 18 to lead us? Can we follow Him? The one who has searched us and known us, who knows when we sit down, when we rise up, who discerns our thoughts from afar who searches out our path and our lying down is acquainted with all our ways, this God who loves us in this way, can we follow Him? And in case we have any further reluctance, because the question of can we follow Him is, a, is really kind of getting down to the nub of it. Because, well, can we? I mean, you've done a great job with your life so far. Is He going to do a better job? Is he going to do a better job? What sort of person is he like? And in case we have any further reluctance with this question, right? he who loves us this way, the God of verses 118, came to us. Right? What we just finished celebrating yesterday. That God came to us. And Jesus shows up and he says, I'm the God of Psalm 139. I am the good shepherd 
Let me tell you what, I'm going to lay my life down for you, my sheep. So you can, you can absolutely trust me. I'm never going to lead you somewhere that you shouldn't go. I'm never going to lead you on a grievous way. I'm going to lead you on the way of life. You know, in Psalm 139, we really see the extent of God's love. Psalm 139 answers the question, what if we follow the shepherd, what will he do for us? He'll do amazing things. He's got, he, he formed our lives. He's got all this plan for us. He's, he's with us all the way. Wherever we go, he's going to be with us. He's going to do amazing things. But in Jesus Christ, we see the depth of the love of God. What wouldn't this shepherd do for us? There's nothing he wouldn't. The God we hear about in verses 1 to 18, who does amazing things, we meet in Jesus. And there's nothing he wouldn't do for us, his sheep. Which is why Jesus, throughout his ministry, repeatedly says what? Follow me. Follow me. Follow me. And we, and we have to be willing to be led by him in order to Avoid the grievous way and to walk the everlasting way. So Psalm 139. Psalm 139 invites us to consider our lives, to consider our hearts and our thoughts, our words, our actions. And it invites us to consider, after we've considered that, to consider letting God lead us in a better way. And I'm going to conclude with verse 16 of Psalm 139. In verse 16, he says, In your book are written, every one of them, the days that you formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. That means today. That means this. Was formed for every one of us by God, when as yet we didn't have any days. Today is ordained by God for us to hear this invitation. To know this God, to follow him out of our fear and our greed and our anger. To feel his hand upon us. All of the things described in this psalm. To feel his hand upon us. To, to witness his mercy and his grace at work in our lives. To come to know how wonderful he is. How wonderful are his works to even find our darknesses to become light because of his presence. This is an invitation to know that he is here. He has done all of this stuff already. He's still doing it for us. That's the, that's the first thing that this psalm is inviting us to know. And then the second thing the psalm is inviting us to consider is to consider asking the Lord, verses 23 to 24, Lord, search me and know me. Try me and know me. Let me know what you find and get me out of this mess. It's inviting us to ask the Lord to lead us. That means to show us his love and to help us see our need for him. So he's done all the first thing, right? He's who he is. He's done all he's done. That's all standing there available for us. Here's the second thing of the psalm, the main point, the final point. And that's discipleship. 
The second thing is, are we going to invite God to get involved in our lives and lead us into His life? Get involved in my life and lead me in your life. That is going to be the thing that is going to transform us in substantial ways more than just the 10 pounds. That will transform us in substantial ways and that will transform our world in substantial ways as well. Not just prayers for world peace. And that's the question of this psalm for us today. Will we, will we with the psalmist at the end say, Lord, you lead. That's the question for today. That's the question the psalmist raises for us every day. So let's pray together. But take a moment first and pray those verses or just read them and try to insert your name in there. As it, read them as a prayer from your heart to the Lord and then we'll pray together to close. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the love that we hear testified to in it. We thank you for the light that it shines upon us in our lives. We thank you for this psalm, for the, the beautiful descriptions of your love, for the uh, helpful description of the grievous way that is in all of us, and for the invitation that you extend to us here. Lord, you extend to us this invitation always in this psalm, and yet we also know that in real time you have led us to this day, that this is one of the days you have formed for us, for us to consider this the subject of our relationship with you, your involvement in our lives, and, and our involvement in your life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would work in our hearts and in our minds and, and what we need to release or let go of or pick up in order to sincerely pray with the psalmist. To ask you to search us and to know our hearts and try us and to know our thoughts. That we might see what is the grievous way in us. And that, Lord, you would, by your Spirit, lead us on the everlasting way. Lord, we know it's not always going to be smooth and it's going to be in many ways deeply, profoundly challenging. And yet we are tired of the grievous way. And so, Lord, as we approach this new year, would you make this our heart's prayer? And Lord, would you give us the great joy of knowing that you answer this and the great joy of seeing you answer it seeing the, the things of earth grow dimmer in our hearts and minds and your values and your thoughts and your interests and your passions becoming greater. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.